only thing more alarming than a tight speedo is a loose speedo. (laughs) Welcome to Cover Your Eyes. Today we're talking about the movie Back to School from 1986. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Holly. Are you ready to go back to school? I am ready to go back to school. Awesome. Me too. I feel like this is the story of my life, actually, so (laughs) I don't want to go back to school because Dan and I always joke that this is like our documentary about our lives because we went back to school in our like 30s and I feel like it's never ending what did you think of this movie oh my god you remembered better worse okay so I'm a Rodney Dangerfield fan his stand-up comedy is genius like if you if you watch some of his stuff from like the late 70s early 80s it's like unbelievable he's so quick yeah i'm biased toward rodney dangerfield for some reason i remembered this movie though as being like something that was probably going to make me cringe a lot me too and i thought that it was like i remembered it as like ooh, rodney dangerfield is really funny but also like I feel like that movie was like really like there were it was just like he was kind of a gross guy or something. Yeah. But when I watched it, I was like this time I was like, where did I get that impression from? Because if you look at a lot of movies from the 80s that are based in college, (laughs) this movie is like G rated. Yeah. So I was like, and he doesn't, and ultimately he's not going after the teenage college girls. He wants the woman professor. Like he's actually interested in her. Sure. She's beautiful. And like, (laughs) you know, it's kind of laughable, the two of them together in a lot of ways, but at the same time, it's like, she's not just like, Oh, I'm just some dumb girl in a bikini and whatever you say, you know, She's not like that. I was excited to see it because I haven't seen it since I was a kid. But I was also thinking, oh, shit, am I going to watch this and be like, "Ooh, Rodney Dangerfield, he is funny, but also like, you know, because there's those people, there's entertainers where on the one hand, you really like their art. But on the other hand, they kind of make you cringe because they are outdated. But I didn't I didn't really get that. Like I I kind of was sitting there, you know, holding my breath a little bit. And then as the movie went on, I relaxed because I was like, well, wait a second. I feel like we got over the hump of where the most extreme thing that happened oriented towards women's bodies as like objects was when he was in the hot tub when Rodney was in the hot tub with, I think there were like, I don't know, four or five girls in bikinis, Mm -hmm. but they weren't really doing anything. He was snorkeling. (laughs) He was, oh, right, right. He was snorkeling. And then he says like, talk about marine biology or something like that. (laughs) I mean, 
mean, that's so that's so comparatively innocent. Yeah. And I agree. <laughs> and so and that to me, that was like the thing that stood out the most. And I was like, maybe I just got all of those other like gross like pity movies out like mixed up with this movie. Cause this movie is actually really heart-centered. Yeah. I felt the same way. I was like, okay, here we go. We're just going to see some old pervert guy, you know, plowing his way through college girls because he's rich. (laughs) And, but it didn't happen. And I felt the same. I was expecting like a lot more cringeworthy scenes because it's like ripe with opportunity for them, but it didn't really happen. Just like you said. So the only, like, honestly, there's only one actual boob that you see in this movie Mm -hmm. at the very beginning too. Like when he decides he's going to go to find his son at college and he knows that he's in a fraternity, but he doesn't know which one and he just sees Greek letters. So he goes into that building and he's like looking for his son, but it turns out it's a sorority. And then he's like, hey, man, help me out. Could anybody know Jason? And then he opens the shower and it's a girl, of course. And you see her boob and she's like, ah! and he's like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. And then he's like I hardly saw anything (laughs) he opens the curtain back up and he's like you're perfect and then he leaves so I'm like okay that's gross but I think just Rodney Dangerfield you just like him so much that he can get away with it because he seems (laughs) he seemed innocent about it like he didn't mean to walk in on her and then taking the second peek to tell her she's perfect was a little over the line but honestly it could have been much worse sure yeah it was like Okay, the thing with Rodney Dangerfield is he's like, he, like he's always the idiot in his stand-up routine. It's like the joke's always on him. So that is disarming whenever he's being like, you're perfect. And it's like, yeah, you totally opened that door back up and you or you stepped over the line with a compliment. <laughs> And back in his day, if you gave a lady an unsolicited compliment about her body, you were doing her a favor. Oh, yeah. And a lot of women back in Rodney's day were trained to be like, oh, you know. I mean, like, I remember my mom saying, like, that she missed having men whistle at her when she walked down the street mm-hmm. she's like i miss those days and i guess what i'm saying by that is that like obviously if rodney was 40 because i think he's probably only 40 in this movie. <laughs> i actually looked it up because i was like uh when i was looking for oh, the vhs okay. description i was like how old was he actually in this movie and he was born in 1921 so he was actually like 65 at the time okay. of the movie <laughs> <laughs> At the beginning of the movie, there's a cold open and we see, it says 1940. He's like talking to his dad. His dad's like, if he don't got an education, he's got nothing. Rodney, though, that's not his way. I was thinking about when his dad said that, like, you need an education. Of the pressure that I remember receiving about education like look at all these people who have all these degrees and they don't have a job all the road that I've been on my long journey of like career and then school again and then another career and it's just like 
you really should just do what you want to do because you should spend your time like enriching your life and not just like in school preparing for some life that someone else thinks that you should have, you know? And I'm all for like um, going to community college and just seeing if you like anything or going to a trade school. I don't think anyone should be forced into like a four-year degree. If I had kids, I would not force them into a four-year degree and beyond. Well, and it's interesting because after 2008, in the recession, it showed kids (laughs) that your parents were wrong. (laughs) You have an education and there's not a fucking job. And like that had not been true before. So it's like this whole group of people that are like, oh, you guys lied to me. And now I have like (laughs) $100,000. in debt thanks right you know and so i was thinking about a lot of this stuff because because thornton in the movie he he defies he defies his father and he follows his intuition mm-hmm. and he doesn't go to college and instead he opens up thornton Mellon's tall and fat clothing <laughs> stores yeah and he's a he's a multimillionaire. He has commercials on TV. People know him when they see him. Um, And he has a commercial where one of the things that he asks is, do you look at a menu and say, okay. (laughs) I know that made me laugh so much. Everyone has done that. (laughs) (laughs) I loved that joke. (laughs) <laughs> we got like we got to that joke in the movie and i was like okay i'm gonna have to not write down every single thing mm-hmm. that comes out of rodney's mouth because it's all hilarious it is <laughs> it is i know and then i was like so that's there are just like a few topics in the movie that i was like okay what could be like controversial in this movie mm-hmm. you know as of today mm-hmm. and so the jokes about weight are obvious that was just so ingrained in the culture then it's like you couldn't even have a movie without fat jokes and so and i kind of always thought of ronnie dangerfield as fat but really he's not like watching this movie he's not but i kind of always just thought of him as like a fat comedian so- he was for 80s standards true so i felt like that gave him like more leeway to make fat jokes it was just so commonplace then in the movie everyone that works in his company is overweight so it's like he's a champion of <laughs> the people he's not just like some skinny guy making fun of them and like profiting off of them it's like he's one of them too but yeah so that's something that's changed that like we've talked about many times like that's going by the wayside hopefully like fat shaming and all of that but that joke uh the menu joke was hilarious i can think of several menus where i say (laughs) okay (laughs) that whole commercial was a series of quote-unquote fat jokes Mm -hmm. at the same time though he was saying there's a place for you yeah. And it didn't really feel I didn't really feel like he was making fun of anybody, even though it really easily could have. But his delivery I know. is so like weirdly sweet. It's true. He's a master. Yeah. The other things 
I just kind of, this time I just wrote like a page with anything that I thought could be like controversial in today that wasn't then. Yeah. Um, That's a good idea. The other topic was race. There was the one scene with Sam Kennison. And so there's just like negative Asian references Mm -hmm. about his time with like the Korean War in Vietnam. And then I realized that there are like absolutely no black people in this movie. I don't think there were any. No, there were not any. I looked at that too. So that. That was so normal. Yeah, that was normal then, really. And and like we've, I feel like the movies we've watched for this, there's been a couple that had some black people like in the background or something. No white person thought anything about it when they went to the movie theater to see this movie. They didn't think, why aren't there any black people at this college? Mm-hmm. I remember when Eddie Murphy made that movie boomerang yeah that didn't have any i think it was in the 90s and yeah because i went to the movie theater to see it because i was really excited about it because there were no white people in the movie (laughs) the media was pissed off about it yeah i remember that and i was like uh (laughs) have you seen like (laughs) 70 yeah have you seen like (laughs) Have you seen like eighty-five percent of the movies <laughs> that Hollywood has put out ever mm-hmm. that don't have any black people in them? Like, right. you know, the only thing that I thought was like kind of creepy. Um, well, and then at the party, he was dancing with like three girls, but they were actually like the backup singers from the band from earlier, so they weren't even college girls; they were like adult women. Mm-hmm. Um, so that wasn't too bad. And then when he and his friend, um, or his limo driver friend, bodyguard, everything to him in the world, Al, I guess his name is when they went to the bar that one night and he was just getting a pitcher of beer. And then the two college girls came up to him and they're like, Hey, Mr. Mellon. And he was like, Hey girls, whatever. Do you want to come drink beer with us? And they're like, sure. Then they sit in the booth with him and Al. And the one girl like cozies up to Al and I'm like, okay, he's like 50 and not attractive. Why would a college girl be like cozying up to him? And then later at the swim meet, she's sitting with him and like holding his hand. And I was like, what? (laughs) Or the dive meet. I was like, okay, that's kind of gross and weird, but hey. He wasn't like aggressive, like pursuing them or, you know, creeping on them in the bar. They just hung out with them. And so I was like, okay, that's not that bad. Honestly, when I was in college, I feel like I was pretty sensitive to people who were older than me, like hitting on me or being creepy in any way. I don't know. What about you? As you could probably tell, because I I mentioned who I have a crush on in every movie when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I have like a thousand crushes on adult men when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and I know that I've talked to some people and they're like, oh, I never had crushes on adult men when I was a kid, you know, really? but yeah, I know. Isn't that, That's weird. I mean, you did too, but like, totally. I feel like we shared that in a way that a lot of other kids didn't have. Huh? When I was in high school, I thought as do most humans, probably that Daniel Day-Lewis and last of the Mohicans is 
a perfect specimen of the light of masculinity and all things beautiful in every way. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, if Daniel Day-Lewis, if I'm 17 years old and Daniel, the real Daniel Day-Lewis in Last of the Mohicans came up to me and hit on me, I would be like, gross. You're like 30, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really gross and that there's something wrong with the guy emotionally right that you need to be with a woman who's not a woman because mm-hmm. you can't handle women you can only deal with children you know because you're a child like that's really you know part of it's because they're i think you have to be kind of emotionally stunted Obviously, there's probably exceptions, but for the most part, from what I've noticed and the times that I had guys hit on me that were older, like inappropriately older than me that hit on me when they realized how old I actually was, they were like, oh, my God, I am so sorry. (laughs) Like that happened to me three times when I was in high school. One oh. time it happened to me in junior high. Oh, wow. Because you did thought, look older. Because you were I taller did. and you're just like mature, you know. Yeah, I got confused a lot. So I got attention from older guys that coming at me at an age that was probably way too young. But I could tell the difference between the guys that would probably have just completely recoiled when they found out they were just checking out a 13 year old girl because they thought I was 19. Yeah. And the guy who is pretty sure that I'm not 19, that I'm a lot younger. (laughs) That's a fast girl. Oh God. That kind of fucking gross guy. Yeah. You know that guy. I do. He hangs out at Kmart. (laughs) (laughs) In the parking lot with his muscle car. (laughs) I had a roommate. This is hilarious. This is gonna. <laughs> this is hilarious. So I had a roommate, uh, two roommates, and the one was like, she was from Louisiana, and she didn't know anyone, and she like wanted to find a boyfriend. Okay, this is like, there was internet, but it wasn't like a big huge thing. There was no Tinder or Grinder, and she was like, "Let's look in the personal ads," and I was like, "What? I've never done that." And she's like, "Let's do it." So I'm like, "Okay, I will agree to do like." one personal ad with you and she found this guy and she like went out with him for a while and ended up being like a total creeper and then I went on a date with this boy I found in the personals and he was like so I think I was 20 and I think he was like 18 maybe 19 (laughs) and I'm like first my first red flag should be like why is a 19 year old boy putting a personal ad in the paper what is going on? He's <laughs> a prankster like you. Yeah, but he wasn't. That's the thing. So um, we talked on the phone. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. And then um, I went to pick him up for the date. And uh, he was at his parents' house. <laughs> <laughs> and he had like, so his mom answered the door. <laughs> and I was like, hi, I'm here to meet whatever oh. his name was. <laughs> and she's like... He's upstairs and he was in his room and he was just putting his hockey equipment away because he'd just gotten home from like hockey practice or a hockey game. 
And I was like, okay. And um, he was actually like really cute. And he did some modeling for like catalogs or something. And he played hockey. He was good looking, but I was just mm-hmm. like, this feels so weird. Like the whole time. And we actually went to a coffee shop in the area where you worked. Oh. Like who knows? It might've even mm. been that one. And uh, actually one of his friends worked there. Mm. So we walked in to meet his friends who were also like 19 or something or 18. I don't even know. It was legal. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were just like, when we walked in, they were just like, oh man, of course you would get lucky with the cute girl from the personals. And he was like, <laughs> yeah. And uh, they were like all nerdy, you know? And I was just like, what am I doing here? <laughs> I felt like I was like babysitting or like with in junior high or something, you know, because they weren't that much younger, but they felt so much younger. Oh, no, like a creep. I guess we haven't really been talking about the movie very much. No, we got way away from the movie. Anyway, yeah, we got way off track of the movie. Um, What happens when we talk about boys? I know. (laughs) Boys. The yeah, so the bar scene where the college girl ends up like um staying with a 50-year-old limo driver. Mm. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was doing everything of her own free will. Honestly, I was gonna say, like, I felt really sensitive to people who were older than me, like hitting on me or being inappropriate with me at that time. Even if they weren't that much older, when you're that young, everyone feels so much older than you. But I think I would have hung out with Rodney Dangerfield for sure. Because he just seemed like fun. Not in like a, I wouldn't have wanted to date him, but I would have definitely been like, yeah, I'd rather go hang out with him than go to a frat party (laughs) if he was on my campus. Agreed. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I've always had a weird crush on Walter Matthau. That is weird, I have to say. Okay. I saw him in this movie where he was like this really cool spy. Hmm. And he was probably like 30 when he was in this movie. I do think that sometimes, though, there are just people that are like way older that for whatever reason are like super hot. Yeah. And maybe that's what happened with these two. (laughs) Like, I guess I didn't think it was that bad in this case, although usually I am extremely sensitive to older men younger women relationships and movies because they're so absurd a lot of the time um the thing with this relationship between al and this his girlfriend though is that she didn't seem like an idiot or anything mm-hmm. like the like you sh- you see them having like conversing like people it's not like she's just like oh let me sit on your lap and i'll put my tits in your face Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? She's like, oh, hey, you know, I'm having a conversation with you and you guys are really fun. Yeah. So I didn't really think that was so bad. No. But it could have been. There's just like so many possibilities for this movie to have turned into like a really gross movie. Sometimes I just get the feeling that whenever somebody's like that somebody actually has like hate in their heart as opposed to somebody who just fucking jokes about everything i i don't i always feel like rodney dangerfield is just joking about everything 
and he makes fun of himself more than anything. So I feel like when you do that, you, I, I'm going to give you more leeway about your jokes. Cause I don't feel like you're being hateful. One of the jokes that he said <laughs> that I thought was so funny um, uh, before he goes to college and he's with his wife, Vivian or whatever her name is, yeah, that no Vanessa. one likes Vanessa. And Al was like, I liked your other wife better. And he was like, take it easy on Vanessa. He's like, she's not all bad. She gives good headache. <laughs> like instead of good head. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that's so funny. Like he can just get away with saying anything and it seems innocent when he says it. And then um, Vanessa, they're having an argument and Vanessa says, you've got no taste, Thornton. And then he says, you're right. I married you, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) So they're at this party at the beginning of the movie and Vanessa and Thornton are having fights and his wife is making out with some other guy in another room and Thornton catches them. And then he storms off and then it cuts to this couple looking (laughs) at a Klimt painting. And then Thornton comes up to them and the guy turns to Thornton and says, your wife was showing us her Klimt. (laughs) And then, and then Thornton says, you too, huh? She's showing it to everybody. <laughs> I know that was so funny. That's one that I'm sure I didn't get when I was little, but now it's hilarious. I feel like I saw this movie really late at night, like on USA Up All Night or something. Oh yeah. I just I'm not getting any like woman hatred from this movie. And like there's these movies that you see where I you just feel like in the background that like wow the people who made this movie like really don't like women or like or like in Carrie like the way that the camera lingers on all of the girls' bodies in this way that feels so voyeuristic and creepy in a time and place for the movie that's like not really appropriate. <laughs> um because it just is. I don't feel like this movie did that though. No, I don't either. I think it stayed pretty on the level with that. I mean, like when he first walked into the sorority house, I was getting like on edge at the very beginning. So I'm like, okay, he's going to walk into the shower, like a group shower with all naked girls, you know, like that's Mm -hmm. what I was expecting because that's what normally happens. Every 80s girl only showers like in a group shower, Mm -hmm. but that's not what happened. He just accidentally walked in on one girl and it's like, okay, that was innocent enough. It could have been way worse. And yeah, I think they kept it pretty respectable as far as that goes towards women. There's bikinis, but like only a few in the hot tub. Mm -hmm. The woman, like you said, the woman that he actually falls in love with is like an age appropriate, intelligent, sensual woman who is like, you know, never scantily clad. No. And... He likes her for her mind and her beauty, not just her body. Yeah. And the other the other thing that for me like mitigated the bikinis and the on the women. Mm-hmm. The <laughs> there's a there's a whole like subplot about or well, maybe it's not even a subplot, but just like 
this whole diving plot everybody dives this is like there's like this whole plot that's centered around the diving team and i'm like we are seeing a lot thornton's son jason he's um wants to be on the diving team and we also find out that thornton is an excellent diver and he used to work in Atlantic city as a diver and he can do this really fancy diving move that no one it's considered impossible. He's like the only person that's ever done it. And we find this out later in the movie. So in all ways, like he's goofy, like Thornton's really goofy, but he's showing himself to be an exceptional person. The business professor doesn't have real world experience with business. He's got this academic understanding and it's not practical knowledge. And so Rodney has all this practical knowledge in business because he's a multimillionaire. He keeps pointing out to this professor the ways in which the professor doesn't actually understand business and then makes this makes an enemy of the professor. The practical experiences that we gain used to have a lot more value placed on them as a society. And then by the 80s, we had the you have to be in college. You can't you can't even start your life until you have a college degree. No matter what interest you have, you have to go to college for it. You can't just go off and do it. You know, you need to become an expert and you need to learn from experts. So Thornton's <laughs> an example of how real world experience is more valuable than just this academic understanding of a of a subject. And that was like kind of a rare message at that time because college was being so emphasized as like the end all be all to the American dream. It was like if you can get through college, you are set up for life. You're gonna be making at least seventy five thousand dollars a year. You're going to live in a John Hughes neighborhood, <laughs> you know, all of these great things that you're going to get because you went to college. You're going to find the perfect husband, all of the promises. It's not true for some people. Yes, not for everybody. And I think you're right. And Thornton was right. Like, there's really no substitute for real world experience in all that I've done. And like, because I went to school, but then, well, I also ran a business after that. And then you learn a lot from the actual doing of things, not just the academic part of it. You've got to get hands-on. Mm-hmm. And that's when you deal with other people and learn how to interact with people. And you learn the pieces that come in that weren't taught to you in school. Um, and that's the most important thing. That's like the real life part of it. Then going back to school, you know, years later and just seeing, comparing the experiences that I had and seeing how it helped me through my second career, through the education that I was getting for that, there was a lot that I could draw on from my like real world experience mm-hmm. that so many people around me didn't have at all because they just went from high school to college to professional school. And it's like there was nothing in between where they ever got out of academia to see what is the real world actually like. 
and there's no substitute for it. I guess we should talk about how Rodney got into school. Because he, because <laughs> Thornton, Thornton has no education and he, his son hates school. He wants to drop out. He's just really uncomfortable and he's very introverted. He's like the opposite kind of of his dad. Like he's really mm-hmm. introverted and his dad's super extra- extroverted. So Thornton buys a building for the school. And that's how he gets into the school. The professor that is after him is like, you know, nobody's getting in based on merit. This isn't a place that you should be able to like bribe your way into. And that's true. You shouldn't be able to buy your way into something that is claiming to be merit-based. So. It's true. (laughs) At the same time, (laughs) that professor is so obnoxious that like, you don't want to root for him. So, so during the movie, I, while I'm like thinking, yes, I completely agree with what this guy is saying. I'm also thinking like, God, would this guy shut up? He's such a like stick in the mud. (laughs) Loosen up, guy. I agree. I feel like um, normally I would not be in support of someone being able to buy their way into school. It's just like the whole college admission scandal that just happened with the the mom. Lori Loughlin? Yeah. What's that show? Full House. Yeah, it's like the Full House woman. And then the woman from Desperate Housewives, Mm -hmm. her too. So, yeah, you shouldn't be able to do that, but still, just like you said, because he's so lovable, I was, like, okay with it (laughs) that he did that. And he did Mm -hmm. it so he could be with his son, which I thought was sweet. And the son was actually happy that he was coming, which I thought was very sweet and probably Mm -hmm. wouldn't happen in reality. But it was really nice um, that he wanted his dad there. But, yeah, he was basically just, yeah, buying his way into the school. and. I kind of was like, is he just buying friends too? Mm -hmm. Because he's like throwing parties. Then he bought everyone's books. Because I was thinking like in the beginning when he has the wife, Vanessa, she's throwing that party with all the fancy people. And he's like, these people aren't your friends. They're just here because they want the food and they want your donations. And then I'm like, but really later he's kind of doing the same thing. He's buying everyone's books and throwing the parties and providing the beer. Mm-hmm. But it's still, I feel like without that, he would still be so likable that you can overlook it when he does it because mm-hmm. he's just hilarious anyway. And I feel like they all would end up liking him anyway. Yeah. And I think he's just generous with his money. He's not trying to buy people. Yeah. Right? I didn't. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that too. My tendency is to think that he is generous and just, and is like, I have everything I need and so much mm-hmm. more. I felt I felt like he just was being generous because they should because also it's like if he w- just wanted everybody to like him, then he would have been generous with his wife's crowd. True. Yeah. A lot of it, too, had to do with like him trying to get his son in a social position that would make it more comfortable for him to be at college because part of the reason his son didn't want to be there is just because he was like really introverted and just wasn't feeling like he fit in at all yeah 
and his only friend was his roommate, who was Robert Downey <laughs> Jr., which I completely forgot was in this movie. When I saw him, I was like, oh, my God. This is our third, happy. This is our third Robert Downey Jr. movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am fine with it. I can watch him anytime. Yeah. He's always good. And in this movie... It's like the tables are turned and he's like the nerdy outcast instead of tormenting other people. He's the one that's kind of tormented or teased. And he's still really good at that, too. And he dresses kind of like Prince at first. He's wearing like the big ruffly shirt and he just looks great. Just the bib part of the ruffle. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a ruffle. It was a ruffle bib. <laughs> he had a lot of really great lines. Okay, so Derek, that's Robert Downey Jr. I really associated with this, and it might be my favorite quote, actually. So he's talking to Jason, and he says, Jason's like, dude, where, like, what's up with you? Because he's, like, wearing, like, football regalia. And he says, Derek responds, me, Stanish and Redding are doing the anti-pup rally. You know, we're pointing out that Violent ground acquisition games, such as football, is in fact a crypto fascist metaphor for nuclear war. And I was like, I pretty much said that my whole life <laughs> about football. <laughs> oh my god! I, I wrote like, that down, Derek. and I was like, Holly's gonna love this line. I knew you'd, <laughs> I knew you'd like that. I could see you saying that for sure. That's exactly the kid I would have hung out with. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I do have another favorite quote. So, so whenever Thornton sees Dr. Diane, who's the English professor that he is, it's his love interest. He says, I like teachers. I like teachers. You do something wrong. They make you do it over again. <laughs> I was like, I feel like this encapsulates like the genius of Rodney. <laughs> this movie's hilarious. I did have a um, problem with the band at the club singing shake it up baby but also shake it up baby is in ferris bueller's day off too and i was like should we do like a month of movies where the common thread is that they all have shake it up baby i guess it's called twist and shout not shake it up baby I feel like this band emphasized the shake it up baby. And that's probably why it bothered you so much. <laughs> I was really afraid I was going to come here today crying <laughs> that one of my comedy idols was dead to me or something. And I can't say that. Like, I think this movie is like super open hearted. It's about a guy who goes, gives up his entire lifestyle and goes and lives with a son so that his he can help his son be a greater success in life. Like he's like, I'm invested in you and I'm here for you, son. Yeah, it's and really like, sweet. That's what a message. Mm -hmm. And the <laughs> like, son is receptive, which is nice. And then also he's fulfilling his father's wish for him by getting an education. Yeah. Which is something, um, so he's from like an immigrant family from Italy, I'm assuming. And so he worked his way up from basically nothing. And so 
that's one of the other reasons why I don't have as much problem with him being like super rich and buying his way into things like this. Cause he's never had the opportunity to even like get an education or and he didn't have the chance to even really go to college. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine with it. But the thing I thought was weird is like he anglicized his name so mm. he could sound more like, I don't know, like Carnegie Mellon or something mm-hmm. just to fit in better in the business world. Mm-hmm. Cause he went from Maloney to Mellon. Uh-huh. That happens a lot because, like, Italian people used to be discriminated against, yeah, really badly when he would have been growing up, like in Mm -hmm. the movie. So, there was a joke that is like really deep cut. This joke was unbelievable to me. I was like, oh my god, (laughs) this is so crazy. Um, it's also crazy because I just thought of this movie. And I was like, I need to look up the name of this movie. So there's this movie, The Barefoot Executive. And it's got Kurt Russell. It's from 1971. And it's a Disney movie. Kurt Russell did these Disney movies back when he was like late teens, probably early 20s or something. And one of them is about how he has to like take care of a monkey who's like a business executive. Did you see that? It sounds familiar. (laughs) Part of Thornton's curriculum is that he has to get lab hours in. So he goes and hangs out with these chimpanzees in the lab. And of course, when he gets there, the chimpanzees are like really bored. They're fucking lab animals. It sucks, right? Thornton gets there. Suddenly, even the chimps are having a good time. His rat, <laughs> like Thornton, just wants everybody to be happy. Like that's really he's just like, let's just all have a good time here. And so they're watching TV and they're watching wrestlers. And the announcer talks about how Kurt Russell just got body slammed. Oh. Okay, this is what Thornton is watching with the chimpanzees. Meta. Like that's a deep cut. and it made me be like okay how many more of those are in here in this movie that i'm not Mm -hmm. registering who knows many there was one line that's like kind of reverse deep cut later it would be like a future deep cut whenever Mm -hmm. he's talking about the parties that his wife throws and how she's like you don't dress right you don't act right people aren't gonna want to come and he was like believe me if the roast beef's right they'll be back or something like that. And it made me think of the Biggie Small song, If the Head Right, Biggie There Every Night. <laughs> I don't know if the two are related, but. <laughs> I don't know that's fine. You don't. <laughs> and then Nelly also used it. If the Head Right, Nelly There Air Night. <laughs> if the Rose Beast Right, <laughs> I'll be there Air Night. Probably not the same, but it did cross my mind. I wanted them to have a scene where they were decorating, where Thornton and Jason go <laughs> shopping. You know yeah. they would end up in Spencer's at the mall. <laughs> you know that's where they got that toothbrush. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the big red toothbrush in the corner. So, Only in the 80s, man. Thornton is a trendsetter. I'm pretty sure he started the Juicy Couture polar <laughs> sweatsuit trend. You actually see more man flesh than you do female flesh. And it's very like, weird. it's tight, too. They're yeah, keeping it tight. 
<laughs> but I mean, the guys are keeping it tight oh. with their bodies. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> yes, the guys are keeping it tight. And so isn't his son's arch nemesis, is that a guy from uh, Karate Kid? Yes. Okay. Uh, so I was like, Chaz. Oh, he's like Chaz. the perfect asshole. He is so good at being a jerk. He is. I think he's probably really funny, though. Like in real life, I bet he has mm-hmm. a good sense of humor. Yeah, he's probably like just a really nice, fun guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's him. There was a scene that summed up the 80s to me. Okay. I had one too, kind of. <laughs> nice. So. It was when Thornton is with all of the higher-ups at the university, and they are dedicating the building that he donated. They're going to start building it. They have this really tiny square boxed out in the in the dirt for him to dig with a do like the ceremonial first dig, and. So he does that and he throws dirt all over his arch nemesis's car. And then he says, I hereby dedicate this building to myself. <laughs> oh my God, this totally just sums <laughs> up the 80s. <laughs> yeah. The scene for me that I thought I was like, this is every 80s thing ever. Um, when he was in the lab with the chimps. <laughs> <laughs> and then because it seems like there were so many chimps in 80s movies <laughs> and then they're eating pizza because that's like the huge part of 80s movies and the chimp is eating pizza wearing like uh bright red wayfarer sunglasses and i was like this is it this picture is the 80s <laughs> Pizza with wafers. It's completely the eighties. I'm so happy today because I love Rodney Dangerfield even more after watching this movie again than I did before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes me want to watch more. I mean, we can watch Caddyshack, but are there any other like Rodney Dangerfield heavy movies? Um, I know there's another one that he did before this one. Oh, another thing is that he never says I can't get no respect in this movie. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to point that out <laughs> because that's all people think about when they hear. That's true. About Rodney Dangerfield. What's the question for today? Hmm. Okay, so in this movie, Thornton falls for his English professor and they start dating. And so I was wondering if any of you out there have ever dated a professor or even a teacher in high school. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not, but maybe. Um so if you have ever hooked up with a teacher or a professor, let us know at podcast at gmail.com. Also, if you have ideas for other movies we should cover in the future, we'd love to hear those too. Thank you for listening to Cover Your Eyes Podcast. If you like our show, please feel free to count the ways. Find us on patreon.com backslash cover your eyes.
but you can also visit our store on Redbubble at Cover Your Eyes Podcast. And don't forget, we love it when you subscribe, rate, and review. Are we going to say see you next Tuesday still? <laughs> okay, we could say bye, y'all. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not an asshole. I just play one on TV. <laughs> <laughs>